0: Hey, Steve!
1: Hey, Chris!
0: So, uh, it's a bit bit behind, but we we do have a new episode. We're coming at you digitally, in a sense, because of the whole coronavirus thing, which might explain why the audio quality is better than you're used to it being.
1: (laughs) Ha ha ha. Hey, Steve, quarantine edition.
0: There you go. Uh, well, it's not officially a quarantine, it's a stay-at-home policy, so
1: self-isolation edition.
0: There you go. Uh, Did you know, uh, dude, I I, I had my appointment with my therapist telehealth last week and Mm. I was in my car in order to get privacy and she was like, don't worry, you're not the only one. (laughs) So uh, that's been fun. Um, And your your wife probably knows all about that now too. Yeah, yeah.
1: Or even like, I know a guy who's a teacher and one of his students that he's been video conferencing with like, yeah, goes and sits in his dad's car in their garage. (laughs) And that's like how he does the conversations for school.
0: Oh man. What a, what a, what a time we live in. Seriously. Um, But of course, being that we've been cooped up all the time, uh, me still without working, you, you, you with reduced hours. Um, clearly we've been killing some of our time doing things or at least you've been, uh, You've been killing time by being a father.
1: Yeah, a little bit of that. I mean, I did kill the messenger, uh, pun. Uh, and uh, see, see, we're not in person, so Chris can't like physically hit me. So the puns well, are going to be extra bad today.
0: Let's be honest. I've never quite been violent, but I have looked at you with very, very great disappointment.
1: It's it's um, the probably it's, th- the, it's the constant threat that it could happen.
0: That it could happen. Um, I probably look at you with the same disappointment my father looks at me. So. <laughs> um, nah, but uh, I've been playing a game that I've been wanting to recommend to you. In fact, I've already recommended to you. You have? Tokyo Xanadu EX Plus, which is just, you know, the the extra edition for PS4 of Tokyo Xanadu. Um, you've already played Neon Falcon games by playing the Yeast series. Yes, and this is sort of like that. It seems like it's a fusion of their Legend of Heroes franchise with more of an action-based combat, like the E series has. Oh,
1: I play, also played Legend. Were there? Was that Legend of Heroes Trails in the Sky? Was that them too?
0: That was them too. Yes.
1: Yeah. Okay, I played that. I, I like that. So
0: you, you're way ahead of me on the the, the Falcom train though, because I've never played a use game. I've only played like thirty minutes of Trails in the Sky on the PSP. Um, I did purchase, however, the the Trails of Cold Steel, the first one. Um, so I've got that for a rainy day or rainy two months or so. Yeah. Um,
1: rainy month, yeah. So I've been I have been um, a little bit held back on my Tokyo Xanadu playing because I was planning on doing that remote play on the Vita. My Vita bit the dust.
0: Yeah, you mentioned that. What, what happened? was your it's, kids... it's
1: the battery. Oh. Um, uh... It just, now it, like, it was doing this thing where it would go into, like, standby mode sporadically. Like, it would tell me my battery was low and go into standby. But then I could just turn it back on and play for another half hour before it would do it again. It would also be my cue to make sure I saved any game that I wanted to save. Um, now it's just doing, like, a hard, complete shutdown. Like, it doesn't suspend. I have to re-put the date back in, and date and time when I bogged into this, turn it back on again. And it just does it out of nowhere. So it might be, it might be playing for five minutes, it might be playing for 30 minutes. And it's just like, boom, you're done.
0: That's rough, um... Yeah, so that's weird too because I don't know I I gotta check my PSP then because I think it was our friend Nolan that we play online with his PSP or something like that like the back the battery just kind of like what exploded like it got huge or whatever or is that your
1: no that was the the PSP I think the PSP if I recall correctly had a replaceable battery pack
0: alright because I need to check up on that because I got a uh a buddy of mine that watches my YouTube reads my stuff um he sent me his PSP in a bunch of games. That's how I got, you know, the Trails uh, trails in the mm-hmm. Sky. Um, but I don't know how old that is, so I got to, like, dig that out and be like, is this still good? I know I need to charge it. Um, so I'll, I'll have to check that out. But, um, yeah, yeah uh, so, and, and the remote play will be very useful for you. For the v, for for Tokyo Xanadu because I didn't expect it to be very long. Like if you look at the how long to beat, it's like oh for completionists, it's like around sixty some hours or so, and it's like well I'm probably not going to be a completionist, but and next thing you know I play the game and it took me seventy five hours. Ooh. And the the fastest seventy five hours as well because that's what unemployment will get you during <laughs> <a> quarantine.
1: <laughs> yeah, Yeah.
0: But, um, no, the, um, to, to, to give it a little bit of backdrop, I guess, about the game is, uh, they gave it to, I think, I think it was some of the younger developers at Neon Falcom and the general idea was they wanted to do a sort of modern day supernatural game. Uh, so what they effectively did was, Hey, let's take similar concepts to Persona and the Sailor Moons and all that other stuff. Uh, The magical girl kind of games, and it's you and your buddies are fighting supernatural things in an urban environment in Tokyo, of course. Um, Because, you know, I'd actually like to see another city like, I don't know, Osaka or well, sometimes it's like just tough figuring out okay, what is a district of Tokyo versus like Shibuya? Shibuya is part of Tokyo, right? Um, Yeah. But like Osaka, I believe, it's its own city. Um, Kyoto, uh, none of them are nearly as big as Tokyo. But it's like, can we see something other than Tokyo once in a while? It's kind of like America. It's like, I'm tired of seeing New York City get blown up. <laughs> but um, regardless, you're in um, this environment. And you, you, you're mostly... It, it is in some ways inspired by the whole Persona thing, I think. Because you have the calendar. You do have social element. You have... You have kind of phases to every chapter of the game. Um, One of them is very much focused on side quests and social dynamics and everything. And then you're getting to the part where the story pushes forward. There's not as much social dynamic. And you're mostly diving into the Eclipse Labyrinths. And I was really surprised at the quality of the dungeons here. Um, They are, in their own right, very linear. They are... Um, because I know I've discussed it before, but, like, JRPGs have this habit of dropping you in a series of long corridors and hallways, right? Yeah. Um, and yeah. they eventually get born.
1: Yeah, that is, uh, Persona 4, uh, um, right grade 5, yeah, but <laughs> it is, like, literally, like, a hall, just, like, a long hallway. Turn left to yes. turn right. Long hallway. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's work.
0: That's what a lot of them have become. Uh... Like even World of Final Fantasy. That's kind of what the dungeon design was. And I've just gotten used to it. And... Tokyo Zenadu technically has that. But it's also got a good amount of... Um... Platforming. It's got traps and... Puzzles and stuff. And the combat is probably... What makes it work. Because the combat is real quick and fast paced. Um... I'm wondering if this is how geese also works because most of the enemies only take a couple of hits to take down especially because in Tokyo Xanadu there's a big emphasis on elemental weaknesses. Um so you you're you're going to swap to your character that's got some kind of elemental advantage to the enemy. And knock them down in a couple of hits. Very few enemies take a lot, and usually you have all kinds of special powers and everything that will have charged up by then that you can wipe those enemies out really quick as well. Unless you want to sit there and save that stuff for the some of the more inevitable right. big encounters yeah, that, you're going to run into.
1: That sounds like so in East A, um, which is different than previous East games. Yeah, where you have a party of three. Um, you have three weapon types available to you: uh, basically slashing, piercing. Um, what's the other one? Like blunt trauma. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and right, and then some enemies are just sort of universal; will take any damage. Some enemies only have one we- have a weakness and a strength. And you know what I mean? Like some are only like they're strong against blunt trauma, but weak against or you know, slashing and piercing, etc. And so you, you swap your party around to do that. As you attack, you build up, you have st- um, regular special move points that you build up with each attack. And then as you do more special moves, you build up your like ultra meter. So you can do an ultra attack. Um, and then you have to make sure you're using the correct character for the ultra attack because some of the ultra attacks are... Large AOE, low individual damage. Others are high individual damage, low AOE, and that kind of thing. Yeah. So you're you're j- well, constantly juggling your characters to make sure you're using the correct attack type and the correct um, you know abilities and ultra moves to you know for the correct situation.
0: So they're very similar because there's there's some minor differences between them, but for the most part, yeah, it's the same kind of style. So like you're going to want to use this kind of attack or this kind of a moment, and then. So I think you, you'll you'll feel very familiar playing Tokyo Xanadu. It's just instead of being this fantasy environment, it's going to be more the modern day high school kids thing, um, which didn't work out too badly. I think the only downside in this. Because I remember you showed me a little bit of Yeast Eight and what you were finishing up, and some of the social link kind of kind of stuff. That was very fam- like that. That's kind of in Tokyo's attitude, so it's going to be a very familiar ex- uh, experience for you. Actually, even though the characters kind of and there's speculation that it's supposed to be like the modern day of the uh, Legend of Heroes setting. Hmm. because like at first they start talking about like the great War and even though that's what we call World War one it's clearly like discussing World War Two. and actually you know they talk about this sort of alternate history where there are mechs which evidently uh, the legend hero series has mechs in it so um it seems like they're 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 making their own little sort of crossover universe but yeah I do think it'll, it'll be up your alley I really enjoyed it it was just one of the reasons it took so long was because I was trying to cuz one of the first things I heard about like the Legend of Heroes series was oh yeah man like people all over the world will keep having new dialogue so even if you're like 30 hours into the game like the person in the first town will have new dialogue about what's been going on in the world and that's actually really cool that is a really cool feature because most games it's as if you know that time, like time stands still in that town, kind of a thing. Yeah. Unless you're des- unless you're expected to go back there, um, but, but at I- the same time, at the same time, for those social links, like or, or like some of the, the the journals and stuff you could fill out, like character logs, you 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 would have to at least talk to people twice, the first time you encounter them, and then like anything changes. It's not even like you talk to someone twice per chapter. It's if you go into the Eclipse the first time, then you come back out and other stuff happens. If you're at that school again, you're talking to everyone at the school again because you don't want to miss something that might go into your journal. So it's, again, like that's why it takes so long to play as a completionist because if you don't care about that, then you could just roll on right through, chase the objective. and You could probably complete the game in half the time. But for me, I... I liked being in the game world, I'll be honest. It was a good group of characters, and it's why the only thing I have against it... And, okay, I don't want to say against it, because it's like the game's got more ending the, endings than Return of the King, is what I've said. Because there's the, the, the typical thing that a lot of JRPGs and anime do is we're going to lead you up and make it feel like it's the final confrontation, but it's really not. Now you have the final chapter, and you have the final confrontation, but then there's an epilogue chapter yep. with another final boss, and then, because it's EX+, it's a special new release, they have an aftermath section, and that aftermath section feels like the most, like, a sort of, like, stuck-on thing that is kind of unnecessary. But I just enjoyed being with the characters still. So on one hand, I'm sitting there like, I am effectively done with this story. I'm effectively done with this game. But I like these characters, so I'm going to stick around still. Um, And it does seem, like when I looked online, because after every chapter, there's also a side story. The side story technically only exists in order to lead into that aftermath story that was added in but oh, okay. at the same at the same time like I thought it was originally part of the game because it introduces some characters in a way that you're better prepared for them in the story um, like the, the, the Moon Knight or whatever they call them, the White Knight White Shroud they're introduced really early in the game through a side story when they're introduced in the game proper outside of a side story they just kind of show up and it felt more natural to have it with a side story so so
1: they're largely they're largely an improvement and not just like oh here's some extra content we had for you
0: well both um because one of them especially um has two characters interact in a way that i find absolutely delightful um, so it's, it it's good additional content. It doesn't feel like a typical kind of padding out, which is funny because I can compare to what I'll be, I think the last thing I'll discuss, which is Persona 5 Royal, but I'll save that for a bit. Um, and instead you've been playing a whole lot of a indie game. Yes. Uh, recently. Sir.
1: I um, well, I'm actually doing the the sort of the the downloadable content, the free DLC pack they had now. Uh, But I played. uh, I got like hooked on the messenger, which I have this weird relationship with these sorts of games, where I never (laughs) want to play them. Like, oh, it's a super hard throwback, you know, uh, type, you know, Nintendo hard platformer. Uh, I'm okay. And then I actually and then I start playing them, and I'm like, oh yeah, I kind of do love these kinds of games.
0: <laughs> um, What's really interesting about that is, as we've discussed, you you started out more as a PC gamer than a console gamer.
1: Well, so, so okay, so there's so you got to remember though, I had before I was a PC gamer, I had a, I was an original Nintendo gamer. So uh-huh. I'm a little bit older than you, so I had the I had the like the time. To sort of switch into PC gaming around the Super Nintendo era, where during the original Nintendo era I was playing Ninja Gaiden and Castlevania and all that stuff. Okay. So, like, so this for me, what the Messenger felt like to me was if Ninja Gaiden was fair. Um,
0: <laughs> if it didn't have that stinking bird.
1: <laughs> well, it's not just the bird. It's like, so for example, one of the one of the first abilities you can buy is a recovery attack. So every time mm-hmm. when you get hit you get knocked back but then once you get the recovery attack then you can jump forward and attack again after you get knocked back uh, and they add and it, basically the the main improvement are sort of expansion evolution of the combat over here if you play the original ninja gaiden uh it's been a while it's been since college yeah. actually I mean, you basically you run forward you stab stuff with your sword you get shurukens, You throw the shurikens, etc. So what it did is the the core thing is it added this. Um, basically, you chain attacks and jumps to create this really free flow. You can basically fly through a lot of areas, and then the later platforming sections require you to do it. Um, you know where you're you say so, so you can attack anything that you can attack whether it's a, a uh, like a power a lantern that'll have a power up or you know currency or energy or whatever else um, you can then jump off that so like, you hit it and then you jump hmm. um, and then later on you get a grappling hook so then you know so you'll do stuff like, and the grappling so you'll do stuff like you know hit jump grapple hit jump hit, jump, grapple, hit. And so you get these, you build up these chains to, like, move through the levels incredibly quickly and fluidly. Um. And with this, this sort of endless chain of attacking. And, uh, it's a lot of fun. It, the, it's the controls are, are tight. I felt like the grappling hook could have used been a little bit more forgiving sometimes. Um. Uh, but it was really uh, it was just fun like it, it, the music has got this great chip tune soundtrack. Uh, so the music just keeps you going. All of the movements in the game are really well synced up with the music too, which helps I mean, it just helps with the feel of the whole thing. this rhythmic movement movement in the game and... Uh, and it's got the story, you know, this sort of cheeky story you'd expect in an indie game. Like, you're the last savior of the world, but everyone's kind of not taking it seriously, and we're breaking the fourth wall all the time, and, and all that. Um, and of course, if you paid attention at all, the big twist is, halfway through, you move from 8-bit to 16-bit. And yeah. then you, and then the shortly after that, you gain the ability to to switch back and forth within levels between the eight bit version and the sixteen bit version, which is basically the past and the future. And a lot of the, the puzzles in the second half of the game revolve around, you know, okay, you can hit this switch in the past, and then go back to the future, and now this wall is moved. Or this path is blocked in the past, so you got to figure out how to get to the future where the path is unblocked and get through the path and then go back to the past to do this other thing. And they also do it with the characters as well. So there are there's this sort of colorful cast of characters, a dragon who wants to be a butler, and various boss fights who you end up befriending after you defeat them. And so you need to you know, you'll, For example, you'll encounter one character in the past, and once you've completed their sort of side quest, they're going to help you out in the future by doing something that affects your future path, which enables you to rescue a character you met in the future and all this sort of stuff. Um,
0: you know what's funny is it reminds me in some ways of... Oh, I can't remember the name of the game. I know there was like some kind of a side-scrolling action game on the Nintendo DS or 3DS where one screen was one time period and the other screen was another time period. Mm. So you'd have to play the game where you'd manipulate one screen to change things on the other screen and back and forth. And this is that, but more simplified, so it's not as crazy.
1: Yeah. Um, it's a little bit... Did you play Guacamelee?
0: I have not, but I know of it.
1: Okay, so there's a there's a mechanic in Doc Guacamelee where it's like the world of the living versus the world of the dead. Mm. And it does some similar things to that. where There are puzzles in Guacamelee where you're... There's objects that are in one world and not the other, and you switch back and forth. So, like, you're in the world of the living and you jump forward by faith into a portal that sends you into the world of the dead... And then once you're in the world of the dead, you can grab onto a ledge that wasn't there in the world of the living, and go through the portal to land on a platform that wasn't there in the world of the dead, but that's there in the world of the living, and it's some of that same kind of stuff.
0: I feel um, like there's other games I've been playing lately that do something similar, but um,
1: but no, it's so Messenger is is very highly recommended by me. It's uh, I love the I love the combat and the platforming the story was exactly what it needed to be just Mm -hmm. just the right level of humor but also just it's it sort of does this you know it's kind of 80s cheesy epic
0: (laughs) yeah
1: sort of thing
0: that's all that's we're all over that aren't we
1: (laughs) Um, yeah there's some uh, Nolan in the the discord had mentioned something about um, there's a little bit of a Yoko Taro ness to to the pieces. I, I won't spoil it, but at various points the game becomes a, uh, like a side-scrolling shmup, and um, it's a it's a really cool moment near the end of the game.
0: Well, that makes me think more of Platinum, but uh, a little Hideki Kamiya there.
1: Yeah, it was just sort of this genre-bending kind of stuff. Uh, but it's yeah.
0: Now, what's interesting... Well, firstly, one of the reasons I imagined you played this was because it's more kid-friendly than other games are. hmm So when you weren't playing Overwatch, you were playing The Messenger?
1: Well, it's also... I just... So we have been playing Overwatch pretty much nonstop, and I just wanted to play something that wasn't Overwatch. Because <laughs> my kids play Overwatch, and they want to play Overwatch with me. Um, I just, like... I was doing a lot of grinding and, and competitive because I placed really low in all the roles, oh, gosh. and so I wanted to not be like in bronze for tank and stuff like that. <laughs> so I just I and I did a lot of improving at the game. So I was doing a lot of that. So I just I went, one I wanted to play something that wasn't a shooter, wasn't Destiny, wasn't Overwatch. Two, yeah, it was something I could easily play with the kids. Uh, watching, and three honestly, what what inspired me to do it was I watched what was the the trailer for the prequel to the Messenger? Oh, Sea of Stars. Sea yeah, because I shared that's, that. That's like an I RPG. shared that,
0: and yeah, and it looks like a really good RPG. Um, and I was like, yeah, I, sh- I shared that in our Discord, and uh, pardon me, I shared that in our Discord, and was like, yeah, I'm, I think I'll back this. Um, and now I'm the one that hasn't played The Messenger yet because you started playing it and then one started playing it and I'm like, I'm playing other games. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it's a shame because in some ways it's like, oh, you know what? Tokyo Xanadu probably largely a safe game, especially for as far as Japanese games and stuff go. It's probably a safe game for Steve to play in front of his kids. Oh, wait, two of them, well, one of them can read. One of them is learning to read and it's got some language in it. Like, if it weren't for the language, that it would be a perfectly good game for you to play in yeah. front of your kids.
1: Yeah. The uh, Some of the, you know, language would probably also be the stuff that's very easy to sound out for an early reader.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, sh- sh- <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, basically, basically. Um,
0: so, uh, yeah, that, that, that would be... Uh, preventing you because I mean otherwise it, it, it's lacking it is largely lacking in some of the more typical tropes that you find in these games um, and that's about all I'll say on that it is not perfect it does have some issues mm. but otherwise it's actually pretty good in that regard um, it's tame in comparison but uh, I, oh, I feel like I did have one more question on the regarding the messenger but I can't remember to wo- oh I- that was the interesting thing is you're you're playing the DLC even now, but even our buddy Nolan, he and uh, my buddy po- Post Mesmerick, the YouTuber, he, they both felt as if the game overstayed its welcome a bit and were a little too long towards the end.
1: But you evidently didn't feel that way. Well, despite having a very similar death count, I finished significantly faster than Nolan did. Mm. Um, So I'm wondering if that had something to do with it. I didn't have, I'm guessing if you didn't, hey, so in the second half, there's this character, the Prophet, who gives you really cryptic clues, and you can then pay the shopkeeper to translate the cryptic clues and put a waypoint on your map. Now I can imagine it's with some of the situations. Most of them I found pretty quickly, but if you weren't willing to pay up to the shopkeeper for the clues, I'm wondering if some of those. I'm guessing that some of those could take a long time to to locate exactly where you need to go. Uh, I didn't use any any like external guides or anything like that. Um, just you know, in the interest of being a purist I guess um, so I'm wondering so I, that would have been frustrating because in the in the second half it gives you little markers that let you know where time can be manipulated in in the levels which is then an indication of near around where most of the the objectives the second half objectives are because the first half is completely linear and the second half is basically, I'm not gonna say it's, it's Metroidvania, cause I don't think that's correct. But basically you have complete free reign, cause you don't gain any new abilities in the second half. You just have free reign now over the entire, the entirety of every level in the game to move around and find everything. Uh, so I, I don't know exactly, but so that's probably why. If I had been, if it had been a 16 hours for completion, Instead of ten hours for completion, then yeah, I would have, I would probably have been a lot more burned out. All
0: right that that'll that'll do, I guess. Um, so,
1: so we actually did play a I, game together recently, right? Or do you want to We talk did, about but, but first,
0: it. I wanted to I wanted to talk about. Um, there, I also forgot that I uh, I've been play I played a bit of Bloodborne recently with Nolan, but I think I'll save that for another time to discuss after I've gotten a little further. But uh, suffice to say, I have thus far found a From Software game that I've actually enjoyed. Um, not to say there are elements of Sekiro I enjoyed, there are elements of Dark Souls I enjoyed, and I kind of want to go back and try Dark Souls again a little bit. Um, but, for the most part, Bloodborne, I think, does all the little details right. Like, there's still some from software jank in there. Uh, they still have some of the stuff I don't like, like enemies that are in the middle of a swing and pivot in place to change their uh, target to wherever you move to. I hate that kind of pivoting system, where it's just... They're not targeting where you are at the moment. They're just targeting you, and they're going to follow, especially in a game that people say is tough but fair. But you can't do that. You, you you're you wherever when you start swinging, you're swinging where you're swinging, and that's, that's it.
1: That's some uh, Spider-Man jank right there. It's,
0: <laughs> this is true. This that is was true.
1: that was not a problem in Demon Souls, as I recall. I didn't play Dark Souls extensively. I started Bloodborne, couldn't figure out how to get weapons. <laughs> went into was Yarnum or whatever with with just my fists and died a bunch of times and was just like, you know what, this is not. They they,
0: they they the first time you die, they literally just the little guys on the ground give you a weapon.
1: Well, you have to go to the right spot to get the weapon.
0: You mean right in front of you? Well, no, so <laughs> here's the problem. When I
1: went to the, the whatever, the hunting grounds. The, the, or whatever, the Hunter's so, Dream. The Hunter's Dream. So, like, the entire thing, it was right when Bloodborne was free on PS Plus, And the entire thing was filled up with, with uh, notes from players. And so, basically, I, I did go back one time and, and figure out where it was. But the whole thing was completely obscured. So there was just BS notes from players everywhere that were, that made it impossible for me to naturally see where the I could go pick up my weapons. Um, so basically, you know, people trolling me. I, I, I now that you're playing it, I'm tempted to go back to Bloodborne because it sounded like, I see, I didn't to me like, I loved Demon Souls like, I loved it. Um, and I, I just didn't feel the need to do that again. Like, to me, it would feel sort of like if I were to ever run, like, run an ultra marathon or something, like one of those, like, giant 100-mile races, like, it would probably feel great to finish a 100-mile race, but I can't imagine ever wanting to do it again if I ever did it. I could see that. Um,
0: I, I, I could kind of understand, um, because... I don't know, it's interesting because the two games before this that I really had as comparison points, some uh, three maybe, like Hollow Knight technically has some of those elements, but just by nature of being a side-scroller it plays incredibly differently. Um, And it's inspired by a whole lot of other games as well. So while you have like the whole chase down your body, get your currency back, um, that's a completely different thing. Uh, well, the rest of it's like a completely different thing. Like it's, right. it just plays like a very different. It's, game, it's, it's that then, one
1: element. So, like for example, yeah. the messenger. I like their twist on it. Rather than having to find your body to get your currency back, you have this little imp who revives you every time you die. And as a huh. payment for reviving you, he just takes all of the currency you receive. For a certain amount of time
0: Oh a certain amount of time Okay I was going to say isn't oh, that a lot like um, Is that a lot like Shovel Knight
1: Yeah or or He'll like alternatively If you happen to die right before a boss fight He gets afraid he gets scared Of the bosses and runs away And so he won't take any currency at that point Not that there's usually any to get in a boss fight But huh. Alright um. But anyway so, so um, Yeah sorry
0: I, yeah, but it's like I played Hollow Knight. I played Dark Three, which was a, very much this kind of From style, and I also played. Um, we both played the Star Wars Jedi: Fallen Order, and playing Bloodborne especially really clarifies to me that you can't just take these elements and put them into another game. Fallen Order really should not have taken any Souls like inspiration at all. Like if it was just a plain old action game, it caught, it, it could have been a lot more a lot more enjoyable. I think the soul's influence really did a disservice to that. And I want to go back and replay dark three again, because dark Side is three feels like a really good interpretation of those kinds of elements. Of course you could also go back and, um, on my blog, I recently wrote about bloodborne and how it actually reminds me of playing resident evil four. So, um,
1: yeah, it was interesting. One of the things I thought was interesting about your, um, your commentary there. Is, um, did you ever play the Ninja Gaiden on the like the Ninja the new series like the 3D that started on the Xbox?
0: I played Ninja Gaiden two. I got up to Pink Demon Lady in uh, Ninja Gaiden one on Xbox, um, and then I just kind of dropped the game because it was impossible.
1: That fight was hard. Yeah. So I was thinking about one of the things that that game as I recall well no I guess it was different like I was just thinking about one being a super hard game that required you to plan your attacks and counter and dodge and parry well I guess I was my parry but like you know before there was a Dark Souls um, but that was also just so punishing because something I remember in in Demon Souls was like the worst thing was to win a fight but to use all your consumables up
0: oh yeah
1: and then you've got to like go back backtrack and grind for potions and other consumables so that you could like yeah um, I was thinking Ninja Gaiden was the first time I remember that where like some of those fights were so hard and you could get through the fights, but you used up everything. And then you're like, well, what do I do now? Like, I can't even get 10 feet with yeah. needing a potion now. Because
0: <laughs> even after a boss fight, the fights will be brutal.
1: Yeah. Um, so anyway, so I'm going to start calling all these games Gaiden-like. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, yeah, that worked. It's like Ninja Gaiden, guys. Yeah, like Ninja gaiden now, one of the things I really did want to talk about was um, I just got an email notifying me from Netflix the anime High Score Girl is finally getting its second season on April 9th and I had read most of the, the, the conclusion of the story on like in manga form. This might be my first... Like contender for a long time favorite anime in a long time. Um, like you know there's a lot, of, you know, there's a lot that I like because I've recommended a bunch to you. yeah. Um, but there aren't a lot that really make me think about the material. A lot, and like that, that really sticks with me these days. Like, I like Log Horizon. I rewatch it all the time. I really liked Overly Cautious Hero recently. It's kind of a spoof of the the trapped in a game world genre. Um, there's a bunch of other stuff I've talked to you about that I can't even remember half of them now off the top of my head. Parasite was a good one. Kanon was a pretty good follow up to 428 Shibuya Scramble, which is a game. Mm. Um, so yeah, basically, a whole bunch of anime I watch, and yet. High Score Girl is hiding a lot of deeper ideas beneath what seems to be a very simple, at first innocent little kid. Well, I shouldn't say little kid, um, but it's like a it's like a rom rom com kind of a thing. It's a love triangle rom com. It starts with kids nearing the end of elementary school, like 1991 and goes through the course of the 90s as they as they grow up and they grow older.
1: Um, Sounds interesting. What's the... the uh, sorry, just real quick. Is there a dub?
0: I believe so. It's localized on Netflix after all, so there should be a dub.
1: Then um, there and is a chance. There's a chance that I'll watch
0: it. You might watch it. It's a shame because in some ways, I'm like, you know, he might be able to watch this with Titus. And then it's like, wait, no when the kids get older, there does start to be some more adult stuff that goes on, um, and, like, yeah, so, it's, like, maybe not with, maybe not with your kid, with your son, but, um, no, for the most part, it is, it is a really good show, um, the, the main character, Haoro, the, And part of it's like the first time I watched it was a little rough. The first few episodes I was like, holy crap, this is just nostalgia bait because it's showing all of these old school video games. And yeah, I love seeing this big exposition of, uh, guile turtling as they called it Hmm. and other exploits and stuff like in street fighter two. Like I love seeing all this stuff, but at the same time, it's like the character is always narrating. He's never shutting up. Um, and he seems like he's a bit of a jerk. And the first few episodes are rough. By episode four, they introduce another character that eases up on his monologuing and makes it e- a bit easier to watch for a first time. But going back and rewatching it, my opinion of the character is way different. And part of it's because again, like I've I've learned that there's a lot more going on in this show. Than it first seems like the, the, as I said, it's a bit of a rom com. So, the first episode, like his big thing is you know, arcades are kind of a place where de- de- degenerates go. So, he's he's just a big gamer, you know, nobody likes him anyway, he's a loser. And all of a sudden, this wealthy girl from his school, from his class, is playing opposite the cabinet of him and kicking his butt. Uh, she's totally dominating. And the funny thing is, this it's this quiet girl little 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 quiet girl very polite looking uh very cute and everything and she's playing zangief (laughs) she's playing the big burly russian guy um but that's that 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 that's part of where i mean like the deeper elements because this is a game where she comes from a wealthy family there's wealth there's expectations of her like there's a lot of pressure she's supposed to be this way that way the other way it's like why is she quiet well this is one of the reasons why she's kind of not allowed to have her own opinion because like her future's been planned for video games are outlet and why would a little girl play something like a big burly guy well what's going to be empowering to someone like that like the the these big muscular guys so she plays final fight she plays hagar the big giant muscular mayor of the city like she plays these kinds of characters, and it, it, there's a, there's something meaningful there. Meanwhile, the protagonist, again, he's kind of, like, viewed as a degenerate. He hangs out at degenerate places like arcades. Um, but at the same time, like, he doesn't get good grades at school and stuff, and so it's, nobody's got expectations of him, but unlike her, that actually grants him a sense of freedom. So, there's all, like, it looks on the surface like it's just this cute little rom-com, but there's a lot of stuff going on, and in some ways, the video games are how these two characters communicate and stuff. Um, I don't want to get too deep into it, uh, into discussing it. But the second season is going to come out. is going to have a bittersweet ending. I will warn people there. It's a bittersweet ending. It's not going to be like a typical kind of happy ending. And technically, nobody, nobody's going to get out of this love triangle without wounds in their heart. Mm. But it's still... So good, so touching, and even that, like, once you understand that there's a lot more substance to this, and it's not just for the the, the nostalgia bait, it feels good to go back and, like, have this video game stuff. Oh, other thing. The main character is always choosing the losing platform. He's a TurboGrafx-16 fan. (laughs) And he's always singing the praises of that, and I think after that... I think he chooses the Sega Saturn. Nice. So nice. he's always choosing the losing horse. He's always betting on the horse that loses. That's awesome. Um, which is kind of a shame, but it speaks a lot to the character. So it's it's, it's something that most people you're going to watch is going to be cute. You're going to enjoy it. Um, and then you're you know it's going to be a bittersweet ending. You're like, oh, that's sad. But um, well, that's sad but wonderful and heartwarming. But then you're going to have, like... Then again, like, why is this one of my favorite things? Because, like, if if we go back to my last, like, big favorite that's really stuck with me... It was Kill La Kill. Why Kill La Kill of all anime? Well... I have on my blog, if you go under my silver screenings category... A write-up of just how the opening scene... Like, the opening, like, five minutes. If, no, not even that... Of the first episode of Kill a Kill wraps up so many of the ideas that show going to be going through. Um, hmm. it is like yeah, it, so so it doesn't happen often, but like these these are some of my favorite shows. And high score girls, definitely worth it. Anyone with a Netflix account should be watching that. Don't watch Tiger King. I don't know what it's about. I just know people make jokes about a guy that got killed by tigers, well, and I evidently a, w- a woman did it. Like I don't want to know anything about the show.
1: I actually started watching Tiger King. It's really interesting. God. Well, no, because like it's it's, I mean the jokes are, the jokes aren't happening in the show. Like it's it's sort of like a, an interesting insight into the world of private zoos and how they clash with um, animal rights. And what I think is interesting about this, about Tiger King, sorry, I'm, I'm totally stealing this right now, is I hate you. is how it it sort of paints it. It does a good job of not saying like the animal rights activist is right or the guys that run the private zoos are right. It just sort of like lets it. It sort of it, it does a good job of, of seeming pretty neutral and for the most part you just feel like wow all these people are are completely crazy (laughs) but actually so so real quick sorry were you done with with High Score Girl or did you have more to talk about
0: well I was also going to recommend people watch Your Lie in April because I believe that's also on Netflix also uh, a bittersweet rom-com of sorts Um, and also New Ghost in the Shell coming out towards the end of April I mean we're quarantined. Why not watch good anime instead of whatever this Tiger King crap is? Like, come on, man, really? It's. A, I heard so. Did, okay, like, are you far enough in which people have gotten maimed by tigers yet?
1: Well, I mean, I haven't seen, I haven't like seen it happening, but it's pretty obvious. Like, one of the people that they're constantly interviewing has two prosthetic legs. Another one of the people they're interviewing is missing an arm, and you're like, okay, like. Clearly these people had, you know, some kind of accident involving one of these giant animals that they're taking care of. Um, uh. But anyway, anyway, so can I, I'm going to cautiously recommend something that, that I've been watching with, with Dana, my wife. Um, oh boy. And, and you're going to, you're going to hate me for this. We've been watching because you
0: well, look. You guys have already watched Friends, and that's like we didn't really. We know. No,
1: no, hey, we weren't really that into Friends um, for one. <laughs> so, so I'm not. I'm generally not going to even want to watch um, like a musical television show. Uh, but we've been watching Zoe's Infinite Playlist. Have you heard of it?
0: I know about Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. So, well, basically,
1: basically, the gist of it is um, through various plot contrivances, this woman has a, the ability to hear the inner thoughts of anyone around people around her expressed in song. And it basically plays out that they're always presenting a problem in the song, and she has to solve it. It's... Generally, the show was is pretty good. Like, I don't usually like that particular genre of like, oh, we're just gonna like bust out into a random like pop song or a classic rock song three times in a show for no reason. Um, but the most recent episode, they did that they flipped it around and basically pointed out how ludicrous the sh- the entire premise of the show is and every show where people randomly burst out in song is. Where instead of just hearing it in her head, where other people are hearing their thoughts as a song expressed to her, she starts involuntarily singing songs that are her inner thoughts. Except for, like, everyone can hear her singing. And it is honestly... Sounds
0: like, it sounds like someone took... The musical episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and turned that into a TV show, something like
1: that. But the I'm
0: pretty sure the musical episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer is because someone laid a curse on the town, and so everyone could only communicate in song. But it's like, it's actually a pretty big episode because, like a musical, everyone's inner thoughts came out into the open.
1: Yeah, I like. So it. Joss Whedon did it first. Well, probably. I have. I have never. <laughs> So, so how how, part of how they, they frame some of the songs in the episode is they'll, they'll start it out like it's this big musical, well-produced number where everyone's singing and dancing, and then they'll show that's like what's in her head, but then they'll show what is actually happening, where she's you know, singing slightly off-key and dancing awkwardly as everyone in the room stares at her like, what is wrong with you? And I've, like, it was, at the very least, if you've ever been tortured by, you know, Glee or um, any of these other, like, musical shows, it's at least worth watching episode eight of Zoe's Zoe's Infinite Playlist, whatever it is, just to see them basically invert, like, deconstruct their own genre and and what ends up being a really emotional episode too it's it's like hilarious and emotional it was i was struck by how good tv it was uh
0: see funny thing here is i didn't realize there was a whole genre of this like i remember glee i never watched it because i am forever alone i don't have a girlfriend to force me into something like that that's true um meanwhile you has a wife to force you into that crap um I thought you were going to bring up Gallivant. Actually, isn't that kind of what Gallivant is? It's uh, like that-
1: Gallivant was a. Um, I loved Gallivant. Okay, so that's two two shows. But Gallivant was more of a parody than it was serious. Yeah, and, and all the like songs, is. All the songs were original too. It wasn't like, here is hey, like we're singing song you know, in order to you know get you to continue watching this show or something. It was like oh. Isn't that
0: what? So wait, is the Infinite Show isn't
1: original music? No, it's it's not original music. It's all, it's all familiar songs, ranging from like, there's like a Billy like Billy Joel to like, you know, modern stuff that I don't know the artist who performs it. To, you know, Are you any know. of
0: them done? Well, it, it shouldn't be hard to do a modern track better than most modern artists. Uh, but are any of them actually done in a way that you'd be like, oh, yeah, I would watch this interpretation rather than the original?
1: Maybe. I mean, it's it's just, it's more about the, so, so now that we're talking about it, so I didn't mean to talk about it too much, but I think what it does well is is this whole idea that you're conveying... Uh, the the inward like the thoughts of this person and through the whole sort of musical number so for example there's this really cocky she's part of what makes it appealing to me too she's a it's she works in software development uh, for this or product development and as an engineer for this like tech tech company so like there's this one developer who's this cocky jerk who everyone hates. And the song he sings is, I don't know the original artist, but it's like, all I do is win, win, win. And and so it just like, it actually, unlike a lot of these other shows where they're just like, let's just sing a song that people want to hear, it like tells you a little something about the character in the dance and the performance and the way everyone else interacts with him in his sort of this like performance that doesn't actually happen, it's just happening in the main character's mind. Uh, so it's something that I think that if you can tolerate that sort of thing, then it's it's a really good um, execution of that idea of the, the sort of comedy drama integrated with singing in the middle of your show for no apparent reason.
0: If they're ever brave enough to do something like... Uh madhouse by anthrax or seasons of the abyss by slayer then i'll give it a try (laughs) Um. but i highly doubt they'll do either one of those therefore i probably will never give it a try probably not and because if they did a metallica song i wouldn't be surprised when you said billy i don't granted even metallica's like like nobody wants to do Metallica for these kinds of things, but I mean, they they performed on stage with Lady Gaga. They were as mainstream as metal gets.
1: Yeah, I, I wouldn't so. be surprised if they if they get into something like that. Um,
0: but I mean, Slayer and Anthrax, on the other
1: hand, that that would be
0: that that's yeah, that'll that'll be something. That would
1: me. also be like a really deep cut. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah. Anyway, so we I were. I mean, good. hey, they were they were they were on Guitar Hero, so yeah. yeah. So some people know Dragon Force. Oh no! <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, so um, so we were going to talk about one more thing on this episode, but I think we're out of time, aren't we,
0: dude? Uh, we haven't seen each other in a long time, and your wife's going to hate me. But it's like, whatever, man. She's got more more you than than
1: than, I, than that's had true. That's true. Okay, so we're we're not out of time.
0: We're not out of time. Um, we're going to at least discuss Halo Five because I don't Five. not. I do not think we have a whole podcast we can dedicate to this game. I think, Uh, but then
1: again, I think all I have to all I can really need to say about Halo Five is that we got some really dumb, easy to achieve achievement at some point that like 075 percent of players have ever achieved. Beating
0: the game on heroic? No, that it might have actually been beating the whole game on co op. Not even on heroic, just on co op. And only 0.76 players managed to get that achievement. Yeah. Um, then again, I wonder how many players have only played it through Game Pass, and because of the free nature of Game Pass, they play like the first mission or two, and we're like, "Yeah, I'm good. I'm done. I'm good. I'm good." <sighs> Whereas me, I'm like forcing you and always like, "Look, I gotta scratch this off my list. I gotta finish this game just so it." Let's cut.
1: Initially, how I how I it was for me is like you know what? There's a Halo game that exists, <laughs> and I've played all the other Halo games, so I need to play this one. Does that include Halo Wars 2? I, I never played Halo Wars two. I did play Halo. Wait, was there Halo Wars two? I played Halo Wars. I did not. There was a Halo Wars two. There was. I didn't play Halo Wars two. There you go. So okay, so there's one other. Do you one have to have play that there. now. I do have to. No, now. I'm not going <laughs> to. Um. So, but I had already played it through on normal difficulty, um, but Chris always insists that it's more fun on heroic.
0: <laughs> I don't know if it's more fun. It is and it isn't. It's I, okay. So yeah, at this point, there are some games that I just cannot play on normal anymore. Halo is one of them, and Gears of War is the I, next.
1: I, I'm actually, I'm glad we, I'm glad I played it on heroic. Um, there were a lot of issues with this game. Um, and they stand out all the more when you're dying a lot when you're dying a lot, yeah so I, some of those issues yeah, they were still kind of there but some of to see, it's weird because some of the sections that did not stand out at all on normal stood out on heroic and other sections which were really fun on normal were not fun on heroic
0: huh interesting Um, never, I would never play this game on Legendary. I I don't want to know what this game's like on Legendary. I'm going to put that out there right now. Um, normally I'm willing to give a Halo game a try on Legendary. I don't think I ever gave Halo 4 a try. I beat Halo 4 once and I never went back. Um.
1: Yeah, I'm in the same boat on that, I think.
0: Which is probably one of the reasons why the story in Halo 5 just feels like it comes out of nowhere for what little I was able to pay attention to. Because normally playing in co-op, we, we're too busy talking about stuff. And when we were quiet enough to actually listen to the gameplay, me or Nolan were probably commenting on how bad it was. Um, so,
1: okay, so, so I think th- it's weird though, because I, I feel like the shooting and the movement are all actually very good. Pfft. <laughs> I think yeah. that what the issue is, the issue is not. Actually, no, you're, you're right. You're right. The issue uh, is I, with the 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 time to kill. This is just the time to kill in general, especially on heroic, and the. I, I want to say for console players, it has a little bit the the. The aiming is the size and placement of critical spots on enemies do not go well with the aiming, accuracy, and precision of an Xbox controller. How about that?
0: Possibly. Um, It's definitely a completely different engine. Like Halo 4 was clearly built off of Bungie's tech for Halo. Halo 5 was not. Halo 5 is clearly a brand new engine built by people. And it's funny because I just wrote about um, Gears of War 4 on my blog. And Gears of War 4 had Rod Ferguson, who was producer on the original trilogy. And came back once he knew that they were forming a Gears-only studio. Because he evidently loves the franchise. But... He made sure that the people at the coalition, he basically said, okay, you're going to remake the, these encounters from the original trilogy. You're going to play your version and compare it to the original version until it feels as close as possible to that original game. Hmm. So he had them basically, he forced them to remake parts of the original games to make sure you could get the right feel for Gears of War 4. Unfortunately, Gears of War 4. As I wrote in my blog, Gears of War 4 is a great imitation, but there's too much small stuff that is clearly off and wrong. Um, we'll find out if Gears of War 5 is different because we—that's the next co-op game, as far as I'm concerned. As we're moving on to Gears of War 5 at some point. But um, what about
1: what about Destiny 2: Season of the Worthy?
0: Uh, part of me is wondering if I really want to buy, spend the ten bucks on that, but I don't know if I want to spend the ten bucks on that.
1: Chris honest. is like, season of the worthy to wipe my butt.
0: Dude, I did go back and start trying to complete some quests, but it's... I'm,
1: uh, I'm the most enthusiastic anyways. Destiny. Anyway, so, so, so Gears of War 5, definitely. So... Okay, so how would my you point,
0: the, the, my point, my point with that was though, like Halo Five doesn't have that. Halo Five does not feel like a Halo game, and that's one of the things that was tough early on, because me and Nolan and you, like, we were trying to fight the Covenant, and none of the typical strategies with the Covenant worked because grenades felt off, the plasma pistol, the charge for it didn't feel right, um, none of the guns felt right. The one thing that continued to work is using precision guns for headshots on Covenant Soldiers. That still worked. And then when it came to Elites, just whatever, man. Like, no strategy to take out the shields as soon as possible. Just, especially because Grenades couldn't even do that on Heroic. Like, I think some of the later, like, Halo Reach and stuff... A plasma grenade was not guaranteed to take out a uh, elite shield. Mm-hmm. But for most of the Halo games, you stick someone with a plasma grenade, they're done. Um, Halo 5, grenades don't do crap, man. They're not nearly as useful. Um, and especially because they behave weird. So, yeah, Halo so, f- the grenade, you you gotta play differently.
1: The grenade throwing was definitely an issue. I and it definitely I, I, agree. It didn't feel like Halo, um, especially because I have been I've been back and forth in the Master Chief Collection too, since that's also on Game Pass. So I played a bunch of that. I played a bunch of the multiplayer, and and yeah, it doesn't. And so I could see where that might be deliberate, where rather than say what Gears of War did with Gears of War Gears Four was. Alright, let's try to make a game that feels exactly like Gears of War. Um, what the, Maybe what, uh, what they were doing on Halo 5 was, alright, let's, from the ground up, build what we think Halo should be in... What year did that game come out? 2016? 2015, somewhere around there. Yeah, like what, we'll, what we're going to build from the ground that what we think Halo should be in 2016, or something like that. Where I understand that philosophy, and I under like and that idea that they want to not just copy Bungie's Halo, but I also feel like there are, like there are aspects where that just came up short because it's. It's still supposed to be Halo, and it's not like this gen, this huge generational ch- change between Halo three, four, and Reach on the three hundred and sixty, and an ODST was on three hundred and sixty two. Yeah, ODST three, four, Reach yes. on the three hundred and sixty. That like wow, like there's this totally quantum paradigm shift. For the xbox one no, it's like the same thing just with more pixels and so i think that didn't help it either
0: now i think though because we we talked about halo 5 before and one of the things that i mentioned was it feels like they were trying to modernize halo they were trying to say okay what do shooters do now like halo is getting outdated people are getting tired of the same thing but then you look at destiny and destiny feels like a better modernization of halo because it still feels right the ai is still intelligent the ai is still doing a lot of good stuff um granted they did rpg mechanics but it's like you got the sprint you got things like the double jump you got all this stuff going on in destiny that feels right like it, it it's it's like one of those things that I think people underestimate when it comes to Bungie because at this point, like like, like the first person shooter have become so cluttered for so long, and right now it's like you don't have nearly met as many games in the genre. And one of the reasons, because well, why would you? Because if I want to shoot things, I can go play Destiny. <laughs> it feels good to shoot things in destiny you can't always play one of the more challenging levels but when you can it feels really good there's not a lot of reason to play a lot of other games except like doom eternal just came out and doom is different enough like the one thing i'll but but even then like i told nolan the other day shotguns feel nice in destiny shotguns feel like you're playing Doom in Destiny, which is, I think, the best compliment I could give <laughs> it because me and Nolan just came off of trying to use shotguns in Halo in Halo 5 and Gears of War 4. In Gears of War 4, shotguns used to be broken. But, in, uh, I mean, rather, Gears of War 1 through 3, shotguns were, like, broken kind of a thing, especially in the multiplayer. Gears of War 4, shotguns feel like broken you're bouncing pennies off of people's faces like you're not you're you're not making any damn you're not doing any damage halo 5 like shotguns felt just as bad versus i go to destiny and i'm walking around with gunner's axe and stuff's just getting one-shotted um it felt like a shotgun should feel so you you, you you you're kind of in a losing game because you're 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 being you're, you're now going to be compared to the people that founded Halo and have moved on and have managed to evolve the gameplay in a way that you completely failed to do. You've instead become a generic shooter because all I'm doing is I'm using precision guns to get headshots off your most of your enemies. Right. And if you're if you're not fighting Covenant, then it's like ugh got these guys again. It's like the Promethe- Prometheans again or whatever. It's like no one wants to play them or fight against them.
1: Well. And and it's also just the even if, beyond, if you go beyond the shooting to the Halo world the oh it like it seems like they rather than I don't know how to say this It's It was a sort of thing Where the 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 universe was interesting So long as The forerunners Were somewhat unrevealed And Beyond that The way that they have Revealed the forerunners And everything else One It seems like it's just full of holes And retcons And Two It just Sucks um, like, as I under as I understood the plot of the original Halo series, Master Chief and humanity was recognized as the reclaimer, who was basically his job was to turn on the Halos and eradicate all sentient life to destroy the Flood.
0: Well, to destroy their food, which would starve the Flood.
1: Right. Um,
0: Even though technically the Flood aren't. Ding. They're, yeah.
1: They're reproducing or whatever by, yeah. But anyway, so like and then it's like, oh no, okay, no, the Reclaimer was actually supposed to like take all of this other Forerunner technology that we had no idea even existed and anyway, so I don't want to spoil it too much. They're
0: counting on you forgetting Halo 1 or being people that never played it. Because if you recall, Cortana reveals herself and 343 Guilty Spark's reaction is a construct here. And like, he, he's surprised by her existence and that she's in the Halo Ring systems. So firstly, wouldn't she have realized that they were speaking to her back then when she's in the Halo Ring systems? And secondly, why would 343 Guilty Spark react the way he did? And the answer is... Because Halo 5 is stupid.
1: That's... I mean, that's the answer to a lot of questions.
0: <laughs> like, like, yeah, if you want to get it... Like, and this is the thing. I don't read the books. So, like, for me, the whole lore thing... Like, I never got into calling them the Sangheili or whatever. Like, I never called them by whatever their alien names were. I only called them by the, the human names from Elite, Grunt, Jackal because I'm not a Star Wars fan. I, I, I like being able to pronounce things. Um, so I never got too deep in the Halo lore. I only went off what I got from the games and like admittedly when it comes to the story and lore, Halo 3 is where I was disappointed first. Um, ODST had a happy ending where it shouldn't have. It should have been a very sad ending. Um, and Reach was just really badly written uh but then by time you give it to 343 industries and it's like somehow somehow these guys just kept taking it lower and lower like because at least reach you could look at it and be like okay this is the best halo campaign so far this is the best single player campaign in firefights blast you play halo 4 and it's like this this game exists I mean, it's clearly built off Halo engine, so it it exists now by Halo 5. It's like I'm kind of not interested in Halo Infinite now. Yeah, I don't don't even know, man. Actually, I was already not interested in Halo Infinite because I wasn't. We played Halo 5 because it was
1: free. So like quote unquote so I wasn't interested in Halo 5 until I watched the Halo Infinite trailer. Then I was like, "Ah, I do like Halo." And Halo 5 <laughs> exists. And then I played Halo 5 and now I'm less interested in Halo Infinite. And I'm also like really confused by that trailer because it doesn't really make any sense in the context of the ending of
0: Halo 5 who knows I don't know I just that's another issue it's like oh you know what we already did Cortana is a potential bad guy Halo 3 did that Halo 4 you were saving her or something I don't remember and now Halo 5 oh Cortana is a bad guy again and she's going to keep being a bad guy in Halo 6 it's like you know what Maybe, maybe, like, maybe not just, like, I already believe Master Chief should have died at the end of Halo
1: 3. I agree.
0: Should have taken Cortana with him.
1: Yep. And, okay, you know like, what, like, you um, know what, it just occurred to me think, talking about this. The, the other thing is that, from a term, the, the Flood were just a better enemy than the Prometheans could ever be yes
0: part of that being because in the very first halo they already laid down a logical groundwork which is covenant are vulnerable to covenant weapons more so than they are to human weapons especially on harder difficulties flood covenant weapons are crap against them but human weapons do well So, if you're a resourceful player, you will always use Covenant weapons on Covenant, and once you have to deal with a Flood, that's when you get the shotgun, the assault rifle. The Magnum Pistol is actually better for certain Covenant enemies, but shotgun, assault rifle, and some other human weapons, great against the Flood, man. Uh, Take them out easily. So... The Flood, like, it, it, once again, re- rewarded resourceful play. The Prometheans are more bullet-spongy and just more annoying to fight. Because even when you figure out like the big guys, like the knights or whatever, the swords and stuff, to shoot their shoulder pads, it takes a lot of bullets to shoot their shoulder pads off. And then it takes a lot of bullets to shoot their face masks off. And it's just a lot of bullets. And it's like, why am I fighting this thing when I could be fighting a more enjoyable to fight against Elite?
1: I don't know, man. Why? Why?
0: Why? Because 343 needed to come up with a new enemy in order... And that's the thing, like, the the, the biggest... The first big problem was we're going to keep Master Chief. Master Chief should have died, but now you need to have Master Chief fighting, and I guess he needs an interesting enemy to fight, because you could still keep it the Covenant if you made the protagonist from here on, the Arbiter. And the Arbiter is fighting other Covenant because he's trying to unite them, but he's got to suppress Rebellion and Civil War and all kinds of other stuff. There are elements of that in Halo 5, but...
1: I just realized that I want to play a Halo game in the style of Mass Effect, where you play as the Arbiter, building a a team of, like, Covenant race, different members of Covenant races and humans, to enact your rebellion against the Covenant.
0: Man. Well, not even just that, because that's if you suddenly uh, dude, spin off. You spin off Halo into a role-playing game or something. Just something where the Arbiter can talk to people, because that gives you like, because c- what is in- the Covenant's entire religious system has been destroyed. Halo Three concludes, and the entire system is destroyed. What are these guys going to do? That's a great thing to explore in a role-playing game setting less because you can have brute factions. you can have these factions, you can have people that right. follow the arbiter, people that want to worship the arbiter and, and you're people right.
1: that now like and you're negot- you're the arbiter, and you're negotiating with all these different factions and you're gonna like maybe you can't get the grunt faction and the brute faction to get along. And you have to choose between who you're going to side with. And, like, yeah.
0: So, you know what the funny thing? This this brings me right back to when I was in college and after I beat Mass Effect. And I told my friends one of my dream games was a video game. And especially at the Dragon Age Origins, which would have been after college. But, and I probably told you at one point, one of my dream games would be a game whose world and lore was designed by both Bungie and Bioware, but the gameplay designed by B- uh, Bungie, and then the story written by Bioware. Now, keep in mind, this is pre-Mass Effect to Bioware and pre-Anthem Bioware, but especially when you consider Anthem and how disappointing the story of Destiny is, like, I, I I just wish for this all the more, even though evidently the story to Anthem was also not good, evidently. Um, <coughs> like, all the more, like, if you could have had classic Bioware writing the story to a game where the lore was by both... Because Bun- Bungie's do- decent at lore, at lore. We know they're good at lore. But, like, lore created by both Bioware and Bungie like th- that is still my dream game. That is still my dream game. Classic Bioware combined with Bungie.
1: Okay, I can dig it. To
0: to work together and each like conquer the other's weaknesses.
1: I feel like Anthem that- is Anthem's like the worst case possibility of like Bioware <laughs> yeah, trying so to much. make a Bungie game and. <laughs>
0: And at the same time, like having people on their team being like, "Hey guys, you know, Bungie does it. Like, we don't want to. We're, we're not one of those games. We're not like that. We're we're not like Bungie. Don't ever bring that up again." Yeah. Like, oh goodness, poor poor Anthem, which I still promised my niece I would play with her.
1: I'm willing to play that know. too, just for to hate play it. Also, well, tomorrow.
0: Tomorrow is Resident Evil 3 day, so I don't think anytime soon. Um, and in fact, uh, you know what? When will we next record? Maybe not next week, but the week after, because, I mean, firstly, there's not exactly a lot for us to be doing right now. It is still stay-at-home policy. But, you know, I'll have played Resident Evil 3, and we both should be ha- have been playing the Final Fantasy seven Remake.
1: Ooh, yeah, that's, that's coming. That's coming very that's,
0: soon. Next Friday, I already have it pre-ordered. Um, I'll have, I guess, my break from Persona Five. Uh, per, I've been playing Persona Five Royal. I was going to talk about it, but considering the time stamp right now, uh, probably not. Probably not. Um, but no. Per, so we'll have we'll we'll have plenty, I guess, to talk yeah, about. Yeah, so we we didn't I even wait. talk about
1: anything we could have talked about today, so we'll have lots to talk about. And uh, yeah, man. I'm
0: and maybe, we'll actually, maybe you'll actually have played more variety of stuff. Or we can hear more about uh, the, the the TV shows on Netflix your wife has made you watch. Ha. But as a recap, that's High Score Girl. H-I, because video games. Score Girl. Watch that on Netflix. New season on April 9th. Um, I'm telling you, Steve, specifically as much as the people listening. Um... Also, again, like if you got Netflix or even Hulu, I think it's on Hulu. Your Lion April is good. Um, and, that is another good anime.
1: And then the Messenger is in the PSN Spring Sale right now. Oh, so if, there you go. If you like good things, um, like you know, breaking the fourth wall, being a ninja, uh, not being Deadpool then you're like the messenger.
0: I don't think Deadpool's really a ninja. He uses katana blades, but nothing about him is a
1: ninja. He's like a very, very bad ninja. There you but go. But anyway, not not a, not a breaking the fourth wall Deadpool style. More like, I don't know.
0: Scott Pilgrim style? Yeah,
1: or? yeah, a little more Scott pilgrim Yeah, Yeah, like a, a little bit of a Scott Pilgrim sense of humor in a Nintendo-hard action platformer. The Messenger. There
0: you go. And hopefully, sometime later this year, hopefully, a Tokyo Zanadu spoiler podcast between me and Steve. I am planning on writing about that for the blog, um, which RamblePack64.com, no C in RamblePack, um... Cause I and I, I'm working on that. I'm working on. I am working on the script for a new video. Um, I'm sorry that's been taking as long as it has, but um... no, I'm. I'm. Uh, I like Tokyo Xanadu. and if when you play it, Steve, hopefully it'll be sometime we're both not trying to work through thing, work through other games. Cause I want a new game plus that. Because there's a few dungeons you can't do the first one that you have to do the second run. Um, I don't think it's a lot of new content, so like we, you it's not like you'll have to go through it again yourself for us. Blah blah blah. No. Nah, um, but it would give me an excuse to refresh myself to go through it again on New Game Plus. Uh, yeah. So I, I would like to do that, and hopefully that'll be sometime this year. We'll see. We'll find out, um, and hopefully. In two weeks, yeah, we'll we'll be able to reconvene, or who knows, maybe something will happen that we'll reconvene next week because it's not like we're not suffering cabin fever or anything. This is true. All right, but uh, thank you guys for joining us, and Steve, of course, thanks for joining me. And of course. again, don't 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 get used to this uh, audio because I do prefer being able to hang out with Steve in person.
1: Right. So. Yeah, it's definitely a lot better in person, but I guess the audio quality is better here. So either it way probably will be. Have a good night.
0: Yep, have a good night everybody.